Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership motivation and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders. has been the Director General of the Secretariat of New Taipei City Government since 2018. She's a Taiwanese career diplomat, having been stationed in New York for over a decade, 1995-2007. Being a, or maybe even despite being a public servant for over 26 years, she has a different innovative approach. She focuses on change in government. In 2019 in New Taipei City, she ushered in the SDG Voluntary Local Review, and she's been invited by other cities to share New Taipei's SDG implementation, resulting in more than more and more cities viewing the municipal policies in a sustainable way. She was also instrumental in bringing gender policy, equality policies in for Taipei City. I met her there in that role. And she's been helping us build an inclusive city and increasing awareness of multiple issues in and outside of City Hall. She's a wonderful person. I call her a good friend. And... Uh, we're very lucky to have her here today. Ching Yu, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Stephen, and to the wonderful audience out there. <laughs> we, um, I mean, you and I have known each other for a while, and we've known each other in kind of different ways. Um, how did you come into this, you know, and, and kind of what keeps you passionate about what you do? I know. Um, so I've never grew up uh, as a person of just one place or as just belonging to one group of people. I was grew up uh, in a really diverse environment, and I think that's probably why uh, communicating in different cultures is very interesting to me. So let me explain a little bit about uh, what do I mean by I'm not a person of just one city, uh, one place, or one group of people. So my father's work is uh, a legislature. He has been a uh, Taiwanese legislator for over a quarter of century. And we, uh, we, our home is in Taidong, not Taichung, Taidong. I think in my heart, the most beautiful place on earth. But to many people, it's a place quite remote, facing the public ocean. And uh, we grew up in a small village-like town. But always, I know, my father worked in a place far away called Taipei. So uh, in my middle school, when I was uh, 14 years old, I moved up to Taipei because of uh, schools. But even when I was living in Taidong, since very young, there are always different group of people coming to our houses and there was always a lot of discussions, very passionate uh, uh, talks with my father, with my father's uh, employees, with, with the office. And there are always different people coming in and out. And uh, I often uh, was being asked to help, oh, Ching Yu, uh, can you give some water to this group of guests? Can you uh, uh, deliver some food uh, to this group of people as a as a young helper? And I always know, oh, so life is like you discuss 
and you talk to a lot of people, and usually they came in with anger, and they will leave your house with some smiles、uh, on their face. Then I realized, oh, that was called、uh, serving to the public. But I grew up in that kind of environment, and I always know people traveling to different places,、uh, including myself. So I think this is where、uh, I came from, knowing, communicating, and navigating、uh, to different group of people with a lot of talking. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I mean this、uh, this podcast is about leadership. And I think what what I'm hearing from you already is this kind of where this concept for you of diversity has come from, right? Correct. And the key is there's never one opinion、uh, dominated in one topic or one discussion. I didn't understand what they're talking about, but as a young child, you would know that people have different points of views coming from different group of people, and you. It's only legitimate. It's only natural to discuss about it. There's、uh, not at any point、uh, an easy answer to any topic they are、uh, talking about. That that's sort of the environment that has given me、uh, as it's a given. Then later, when I grew up, that's not how everyone grew up. Sometimes in a set of environment, there's only one voice. There's only one decision maker, but not in the way that I grew up. Traditionally, we have the kind of the one person, right? You have the the boss. It may or may not be true, but I'm interested to hear from you what you've, you know, growing up. I mean, you know, lecturers,、uh, teachers, bosses you've had. Have you felt that this cliche is is in some ways true? Another thing is that's another diversity. So in my family. Uh, I saw this kind of uh, uh, the the way that I just portrayed, but in a school setting, it's a total different world, and that's why、um, again, like I was trained in both、uh, environments, and at school, unfortunately, I performed really well. I did uh, uh, excellent in all the academic work. And I love、uh, voluntary work, so I do excel in also in an environment that is more top down, you know, more doctrined. But the navigation through that system、uh, is somehow also later on. I see the values in a system that sometimes you need top down leadership. Rather than dividing them apart. So you, you went off to what? What age were you when you, when you went off to the U.S.? You, you'd already gra- you graduated in Taiwan, right? Correct. I graduated in Taiwan, and then the same year I graduated from college.、Uh, I passed the examination to get into the public service、uh, track、uh, through diplomatic、mm, examination. So you always knew you wanted to be a diplomat? Not really. No, not、right. really. So when did you decide? What made you think I'm going through this? I'm doing university. I'm doing pretty well. I'm going to go into the. Was it your parents' influence? Was it、uh, some external experience that made you think? Thirty years ago, job options are not that many. I've tried my best skills in performing well in examinations. It's sort of、uh, an easy way for me、uh, at that time because I'm good at.
So passing examinations. Skills, right? You yes, followed your skills. Exactly. I follow my skills. I'm good at performing well in examinations. There are several different kinds of examination once you graduate. So I uh, registered in all of them. Uh, and that's the first one I took and I passed. So mm-hmm. sort of I got in. And that was uh, the career diplomatic track. How much of an influence then would you say is your background? You're talking about a time when maybe options were less open. Nothing happens in a vacuum, but I think everything you did, especially things that you feel passionate about, and if you really put great efforts into it, at some point, it would be very clear and it will take you to the right place where you can uh, enjoy working, not taking it as just a job, but really enjoying uh, doing it. And that's how I did not really know if a career diplomat is the right work for me. But at later time, I knew it is a perfect job for me. And at a later, later time, I decided maybe I should do something else. But it always, uh, it, that's always something I knew what I feel passionate about. And I put great efforts into it, regardless if it's directly relates to my work, but I spend a lot of time uh, on things that feel passionate about. I imagine that managing the stakeholders across a lot of different categories, I mean, you're managing people who are elected, you're managing people who are full-time government officials, Mm. you're managing staff, you're managing community groups, you're managing relationships with other governments from other countries across. Mm. I mean, you know, how do you go about managing working with all of these diverse groups. That's the beauty uh, of my work. So you really have to enjoy navigating uh, through different cultures and try to bring people together. If you don't, it's really a mess and you will hate your job. The things about working in the government, uh, there are things um, you would encounter in working at any big institute, but there are also... There are also things exclusively, uh, there are certain challenges exclusively for working in the government. So my strong skill set is communicating. When you ask me if, uh, if it's possible for me to not working as a diplomat, as some, something else, it's totally possible. It really... Sometimes it's just the fate. It's sometimes it's just the timing uh, when you got into a career. So my strong skill set is communications. And that, uh, the purpose of my communications is for two or multiple groups of people to find the overlapping areas, to find where their interests actually overlap. How does this translate into managing? I'm a person who's somehow caught in the middle. I'm being managed, but I also need to manage people. And this gives a lot of, uh, I think, middle management, uh, really a lot of uh, um, more challenges for middle management. I think the public sector has a different set of KPI, right? So 
when I'm trying to communicate with the public sector, we need to respect what the institute is or- originally set for, and we have to respect their traditional KPIs. When we are bringing in innovations and we are bringing new ideas, we have to understand. Public sectors and public servants are not here to be a risk takers, right? We filter risk takers out through all these examinations, year reviews, because what we want from public sector is to maintain a stable environment, and they have to safeguard the public interest. But when you try to bring innovations, you are asking them to do something that the system may not reward them for. So, as a public servant for twenty years, I see the needs for two things: for innovations, and these are not really like scientific breakthroughs that will win Nobel prizes. But I think is something all. The big institutes are thinking about now. One is cross-disciplinary discussion. Two is we are now seeing the negativity of, say, industry or technology that brings us. So these two things sort of are in one because public sectors, just like many of the big inst- big institutes, for the sake of efficiency, we work in silos. So in New Taipei City Government. We have twenty nine different departments, and each one of them have a set of jobs they have to do: construction work. They have to construct transportation department. They have to help with transportation needs. Social welfare. They have to take care of the people in need. But do they work together? They sort of work together, but not in their daily operation. So. SDG for Secretariat. I think SDGs has given me this wonderful tool to help this、uh, seemingly irrelevant departments to bring them to- together in discussing about、uh, sustainable development goals. But you can use different set of values. You can use different set of、um, uh, ideas to bring this alignment together. So, cross-disciplinary is a different way of work. It's really different. It needs innovative way of thinking. How do we make sure these different departments how to align their seemingly different interests and values to overlap with each other? For example, if you have to go through a place from A to B, and there's a mountain. You need to construct a tunnel, or have you thought about the environmental、uh, department has a different set of values, or have you thought about if you protect the environment, not building the tunnel? How about the village B people get to work? Are they less equal than village A people to get to work? So whether you do one thing or not doing the other, there are trade-offs. So what I want to map out for. Different departments is there is a value in what you are working independently. There's a 
different set of values when you work together. But you need you you need to be thinking hard and long about these trade-offs. What happens is usually、uh, the city government has to be working very efficiently, and we have to work in a way to safeguard our people's interests by cutting down budgets. We we cannot afford. To spend too much of taxpayers' money in working on、um, certain project because that's our duty. We need to safeguard it. But if you bring in the interest, say from a three years point of view to thirty years point of view, then maybe there are things we can think we can do、uh, differently. So that's why. Uh, SDGs is talking about, or SDG could be one tool, but it could be a different、uh, set of vision. That when you think about twenty thirty, not just thinking about twenty twenty three, then you know the angle, the positioning start changing. And once you start changing、uh, this position, then you will find a way. And when you find a new way, then you can probably overlap. What seems to be、uh, independent, working in different silos. So, Chingyi, we've talked a lot about kind of what you do in government and、uh, and kind of your approach to government. What about, I mean, the nature of work? I mean, you've worked in government, as you say, for for a number of years. How do you see working? The nature of actual working. How has that changed in the last few years? Right, that's a really good question.、Um, there, are, there are two. Many things that we have to think about. Technology is a tool, and online working. We've now all experienced not meeting people for real, but then still trying to get and seeing our colleagues for two or three years. So we have done a global experiment on this. So why? So for those that successfully translate their work online, and for those who are not successfully translating their work from offline to online, we've now known a little bit more about that. So within a group that has already built trust, they were able to work online successfully, but only for as long as that trust. Last, if you start having new people into the group that has no trust base, then you need some real physical offline、uh, time to rebuild that trust. So I think online offline can can work, but it really depends on the nature of that. Office. It depends on the nature of that community. So, coming back to what I talked about a little bit earlier, we've already seen the negativity of what technology can bring. We've so far have enjoyed、uh, the fruitful outcome of industry and technology, and we enjoy that thoroughly during the pandemic. But we forgot it's because we have built. A lot 
before technologies has reaped off all these benefits. That's why technology can add on to what we've already built. But if we only look at what technology can help us and forgot what the fundamentals, values, and fundamental merits, where technology is built, then I think we are fooled by technology. So this online, offline, hybrid work has told me that communication is more important than ever. And being efficient is not enough. You have to think about the impact. And the impact from communications is not only about words. It's really about how humans' interaction can really bring the other human being, the real needs that the person needs. And that also gives us some insight on the future world when it's run by artificial intelligence because you need to focus on what the technology cannot do but the society needs. So that brings more importance to my work, I think, because if you work in the government, for all my colleagues who chose to be working in government, we are not looking for monetary returns. If we are looking for monetary returns, we would not want to work in public sectors, right? We have a different set of motivations. We want to somehow work with the public. Some people chose to work with the public because it's... Um, it's not a lot of pressure, like I say, KPI or a different set of KPI. But more employees, more of my co-workers, my colleagues are thinking about how do we make the society better. You can always find passionate public servants in any institute. And it's not just one of two. It's a number of and them. I, and I think, honestly, let's defend public service for a while because I think sometimes people forget that. They forget that actually, I think, genuinely, people go into public service for two reasons. One, they do an exam and they pass it, right? That's one part of it. But actually, they genuinely want to help people. They genuinely want to kind of uh, make the environment around them better. I think we just have to remind people sometimes. Right, and they are really not looking for monetary returns. Uh, So the pandemic and the change of work, the global trend has given me more firm belief that the public sector is more important than ever. I want to come back to this process. You've set the goals. How do you get people to buy into your vision without just saying you've got to do this? We are talking about leadership, so I have to... uh, um, bring the conversation back to that and also to answer your question at the same time. It's all about culture. It's really not about the performance, uh, the numbers, but it's all about the culture. If any leader wants to lead, it's about bringing the right culture. If you are a leader you want to make change, you have to bring in a culture that is positive 
that is happy about making changes. What we see a lot is leaders talk about one thing, but they are sort of encouraging something else. I always say you can easily fool the boss, but you can't fool your workers. Right. I think it's about proving. Right. It's about getting something in place. Um, I think. I think we. We're going to wrap it up now, but、uh, this has been amazing for me. I, I always enjoy talking to you, and I find your energy is、uh, is infectious. We've talked about the environment and how you want to surround yourself with super smart people. You know, that's just challenge yourself, get into environments where maybe you don't understand everything, right? But but have that as something that challenges you and teaches you. Follow what you're good at, but be open to opportunities. Don't think of difficulties as a challenge, right? Think of it as a joy, something to overcome, not something to defeat you, right? KPIs and goals super important, right? Understand where you're going to and have a vision. But I'm also hearing that you need to be open to kind of compromise along the way because you know it's not 100% one thing all the time. Something else may come along that you weren't aware of that kind of slows you down for a moment. But if you keep the vision, the compromises or the or the allowments, the adjustments will still be corrected back into the vision long term. And the biggest thing I've heard from you, which I think is super important for all the leaders out there or potential leaders, is is just kind of be true, right? Be truthful. You know, don't lie, right? If you're, you know, if you have a vision, great, communicate that vision, but don't. Make up something, or don't you know? Just be truthful and be honest. And Stephen, if you do all this, it will be so fun. Really,、um, I'm I'm enjoying my work、uh, wherever I go to because it's so much fun. When you stay true to yourself, you know it would I would I would not be able to go this far to work in the public sector. Continue. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Stephen. You can listen to this podcast live on the fourth Monday of every month on ICRT, and after that on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of it. Look for my tag.